friends, it's really good to have you again to the podcast, and we're thankful that you uh, can join us, and I pray as you listen, you'll be strengthened in your call to make disciples. Uh, this week we have uh, Dr. Mary Ho, who's the leader of All Nations. We know All Nations from Floyd McClung's visit to us uh, in the late 2000s over a number of years and he poured into us and, and really set us up to run the race of making disciples and uh, All Nations has a special part uh, in our hearts as practice um, but as as we listen um, we we have the privilege of Mary sharing with us she's in she's in Kansas City at, as we speak uh, she's from Taiwan and she tells me that she grew up in the nations. But she's going to tell her story and then tell us uh, the good things that God is doing through all nations. So, Mary, thanks for joining us on the podcast. I'm delighted, Dave, to, to meet you and to finally connect. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. We're, um, we're really interested uh, to hear about what God is doing in all nations and also the the person that the mantle fell on after Floyd and um, and the, the person that was um, uh, uh, selected, I guess, and to, to lead and to run the race. And Mary, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your journey, your story. Well, as you know, All Nations is founded by Floyd McClung and Sally McClung. And if you've met Floyd, you know he, he was six foot six. <laughs> and uh, I... I don't know what inspired him, but he decided to pick me who's five foot two. So from <laughs> very tall to very short. Um, but I am um, I was born in Taiwan, so I'm Taiwanese. And um, my father was a diplomat for Taiwan, so I grew up in the nations. Um, as, a, as a little kid, was in the Philippines, but had most of my primary school education in Mbaban, Swaziland, which is now Iswatini. So I do have a big, big heart for Africa. Just came back from mm. Africa. And then um, actually moved to New Zealand where I had my junior high and high school education. And then when I was 17, came to the U.S., got my bachelor's and master's. Um, but... Um, by the time I came to the U.S., my my life was kind of falling apart. I was suffer, suffering from severe depression and about six years of uh, eating disorder called bulimia. Mm. And uh, I was just 17, um, went to see doctors. They couldn't help me, psychiatrists. They couldn't help me. And um, a few uh, Christian college kids befriended me. I thought they were really obnoxious, but they kept hounding me, which made them more obnoxious. Um, but um, I was going through, it was like an alpha course, which I got nothing out of. And the second to last evening, one of the staff got up and said, I just want anyone who's thinking of following Jesus to take five minutes to pray every day. And when I heard that, I knew I had founded what I wanted in life. Hmm. I wanted to pray five minutes every day. And uh, back then, I didn't know what it is, is relationship with Jesus. You know, I, I didn't know what to call it. I just knew I, that's what I needed to do. 
And, um, and you know, I thought, wow, what do Christians all do? They carry this big fat book under their arms. Well, I need to go and get one too. <laughs> and I, so I went to buy the biggest black Bible I could find. It turned to be, turned out to be, um, a study Bible. But what happened was at that time, um, for my bulimia, I was taking about eight times the dosage of adult dosage of laxatives. I was binging. I was, you know, purging mm. every day for about six years. And then, but the next week when I gave my life to Jesus, um, I went back to the dorm. And the next day I thought, wow, this has been a really good day. I haven't binged or purged for a day. Then it was, wow, it's been two really good days. It's been a good week. It's been a good month. And so what happened was, you know, I was unchurched. So I didn't know Jesus could do anything. Mm. I didn't know he could heal and set free. Mm. Mm. But without me asking, he basically pursued me because I wasn't looking for him. And without me asking, he healed me, he delivered me, and he set me free. Mm. And when and um, in the following months, whenever I opened up that big black Bible, his word just mm. came alive to me. And mm. I would literally go through it and go, wow, Lord, you did it for that person. I want that same thing. Or mm. you said this. You promised this. Oh, I want that too. It was just a very childlike, naive way of reading the Bible. Um, but that was the beginning of my journey. But I think because of my own experience, I really do believe that Jesus is the hope of the nations. Mm. You know, I really do believe that he transforms lives. I do believe when people are in bondage that he can set them free that when people are sick, he can heal them. And uh, so, so yeah, so it yeah. ended up having a huge impact in terms of my faith that Jesus is the hope of the nations. So. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And for people to, to be able to share straight away why Jesus is so important, is is the heart of everything that we do, isn't it? It's really, you know, Jesus is is the center, and he it's it's not religion that we're talking about. It's an encounter that is beyond our own abilities to manipulate or to control. It's his invasion into our hearts that that cha- is he is the game changer, really. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, um, a few weeks after that, I was in a prayer meeting, and I was overwhelmed by a love that I have never tasted before. And, you know, I, I'm someone who have a, a pretty good father, so, but yet I've never, ever tasted that love like, you know, I received from Jesus. I've just... Just I was just over overwhelmed by it. So wow. you're absolutely right. And um, and then you know um, the Lord did not um, set me free from depression and anxiety right away. 
he actually, I, every day I had to wake up and the only way I could get out of bed or go th- or get through my day would be I would write different scriptures on scrap piece of paper, put them in my pocket, and when mm-hmm. I'm walking across campus, I would memorize them, I would claim them, I would pray them. And so I, I feel like the Lord... Um, not only caught, pursued me, set me free, but then he he helped me to walk with him and lean mm. into my relationship with him. And uh, so that really also became the basis of a lifelong journey, walking with him. And then I remember two years later, all of a sudden one day thinking, I haven't been depressed for a long time what happened? You know, so it lifted slowly, but it mm. was through um, mm. following Jesus every day, being with him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Transformation, right? Mm-hmm. Transformation. It is transformation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So good. So good. Um, from, from that 17-year-old university student to now leading all nations, fill in the gap. How, how 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 did you get from there to where you are today? <laughs> if you can, yeah. yeah, 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 sure. So I used to work for the Taiwan government as an as an editor, and mm. then I met my husband, and we got married. He's also um, a Taiwanese who grew up in the nations. Uh, we moved to Hong Kong. I actually worked uh, worked for World Vision for a few mm. years. Um, and I made that transition from the government to World Vision. And back then, I couldn't articulate it. But I I had to be about the nations. Hmm. And it was years later, the Lord said to me, I've created you to uh, in the nations, for the nations. I put you as a stake in the nations. And, hmm. and so I just knew that my life uh, was not just about other things. It had to be about serving the nations. And in the year 2000, we um, we moved to Kansas City, where I met mm. Floyd McClung. Mm. And I was a young mom with a toddler mm. and a baby. I ended up in his um, home group, house church. And you know, I was always carrying an oversized baby with and uh, with a toddler kind of, uh, uh, you know, holding onto my leg. But every week, Floyd would make a beeline for me. And he, he would say, so, Mary, you know, you have a really strong gift of leadership. Hmm. I'm like, shut up, Floyd, because back then, you know, you're just feeding your baby every day and taking care of little ones. But the next week he would do the same and then he would mm. do the same and he would do the same. And so I would say one thing that Floyd McClung, our founder, did for me was he spotted and called out my gifting at a time I wasn't thinking about leadership. And um, yeah, so I I think that is... That's something very important that we should do for each other as disciple makers. Mm. And, um, and through him, we got, uh, we got involved in our nations. Um, yeah, 
So, so that was the beginning of it. Fantastic. So destiny and hope and calling and gifting that was there was really um, encouraged, fanned into flame. Um, tell us, uh, give us the listener who's listening to this, the story of Ornations. What is Ornations? Um, yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, give it, give us some context there. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Floyd, Floyd McClung was the inter- international director of YWAM. Mm. And, um, and he, he left YWAM to start All Nations because he wanted All Nations to go to peoples and places that are unreached by the gospel to make disciples and to raise up the local leaders who will plant and multiply churches or to start what we call disciple-making movements or church planting movements. So Mm. actually, our nations, we have a very specific call. I always say we are like the one-string banjo. You Mm -hmm. know, um, no matter what we're doing the nations, uh, the ultimate goal is to go to the unreached, to to make disciples who make disciples, and to plant churches that plant churches. And... um, yeah, so so that's what All Nations does. And, you know, for me, I've, I've seen so much uh, missions work and good work in the nations. But ultimately, uh, Jesus' mandate to therefore go and make disciples of all nations mm-hmm. uh, is what grips my heart. And the thing is, he doesn't just say, go and make disciples. You see, we often stop right there. He says, mm. therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, which all is nations. all the people groups. So we aren't to just make disciples. Mm. In our neighborhood, we're to make disciples of all nations. And mm. that is the mandate he's given us. And, uh, and he says to, to us, lo, I'm with you throughout the ages. So it is a multi-generational mandate. And until mm. we go to all the peoples, that mandate is is not complete, right? Because we know that, um, yeah, when the gospels proclaim as a witness to all the peoples, then he will come. And yeah, so that's what my heart is gripped by, that one mm. day uh, the love and the knowledge and the worship of Jesus Christ will be among all peoples. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I, I remember as we birthed Praxis, there was a a wrestle um, for us um, at at different levels of do we just reach? Are we here to reach our city? Are we here to reach our state? Are we here to reach Australia? And um, each at each progression, um, the Lord said no, and you're to reach the nations. And the 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 mandate for all nations is very clear. You can't escape. That if you, if you're looking at the Great Commission in Matthew, that you're to go to all nations, all people groups, all That's ethnic, right. and and um, that is core. Um, and making disciples is the core, but the scope is definitely um, all nations. So no matter where we are, um, 
we are called into that um, mandate to reach all nations. And uh, how, how that works for everybody, I'm not exactly sure. But we all buy into that. We all have something in our hearts that burns for the unreached and for people uh, everywhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, wonderful. Great. Uh, the, the name is All Nations. Uh, tell us this. T- tell us uh, how how is it how are you guys doing? Uh, how's all nations going? And give us a progress report. <laughs> well, we're in about forty five countries, and um, as you know, uh, movement work is messy, missions work is messy. Mm. Um, but um, one of the big things that's been on my heart, and I told Floyd before I got uh, before he got sick. Um, is that, you know, the the center of gravity for the global church has shifted to the global south. And we're really living in a time where uh, God is mobilizing from everywhere and everywhere. And I think that was always his original intent, because often Mm -hmm. when we do missions, we go and proclaim the gospel in a way that people are recipients of the gospel, but we really should be proclaiming the gospel in the way that they are both recipients and goers of the gospel, you know. And uh, but we, throughout the centuries, we proclaim the gospel in a way people just receive it. They become receivers yeah. of the gospel, but they should be goers of the gospel. So one of the things that's big on my heart is to do uh, polycentric uh, sending. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I didn't want to just have mission sending uh, from here in the U.S., even though that's mm-hmm. wonderful and the work is going strong. But we wanted to have um, different hubs where we are training and sending workers from everywhere to everywhere. And I think mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. you met um, one of our Wilson. hub leaders, Wilson, and he started a church movement that started in Kampala, spread over Uganda, and spilled into other countries. But you see, now we are intentionally training workers from there to go out to the nations. We just Mm. established a hub in Taiwan to train and send out workers. And now we have people who are ready to you know, go to the Muslim world, to go to Mongolia, to go to Japan. But I think that's um, that's one of the things that God is doing, and I find that extremely exciting. Um, one, one of the focuses that God has spoken to us uh, a few years ago is to focus on the Muslim diaspora. And mm. he's, he spoke to us right after the Syrian civil war. Mm. And so since then, we have been very intentionally doing DMM among uh, the major diaspora um, population. And um, yeah, so we established uh, a hub in Hamburg, Germany. Uh, that specifically is focused on the Muslim diaspora. And it's just so exciting to be partnering with the Lord because most of the diaspora population are actually um, Muslim background. 
Yeah. And as you as you probably know, Jesus mm. himself is just revealing himself all over the world in dreams and vision to people. And so it's been such a joy to work in different parts of the world where people are having spiritual dreams, sometimes about men and white, but significant spiritual dreams. And we've been able to show up alongside of these people when they have these dreams and they don't comprehend it. And we can say, well, we know who that man in white is. His name is Jesus and he loves you and he has a plan for your life. And so we have seen great fruit um, mm. yeah, among the diaspora population. And, um, and then what's exciting, yeah. what's really exciting is that we're not just reaching a refugee here, a refugee there, but they themselves are now calling their people back in their homelands, often in homelands where it's hard for mm. us to send people. They're sharing Jesus and they're baptizing people in their homelands, you know, like they, uh, they're sharing with their relatives and they're like, okay, now get in the tub, now pinch your <laughs> nose, now duck, now I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and that's, that's also, uh, that's also ha- happening. So, hmm. um, so I, it's, a, it's a big part of my heart that people of different ethnicities like me we're not recipients of the gospel only, but we are takers and spreaders Amen. of Amen. the gospel. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was so good to meet Wilson and the listeners mm-hmm. to this podcast would have heard his story by mm. now um, in two parts as we uh, we put that there. But, yes, definitely uh, everyone is called to to be mm-hmm. a disciple, which means to make disciples and to be a sender. And uh, great mm-hmm. to see that story there, but um, the 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 diaspora of or the the spreading the movement of people around the world is one of the great opportunities that's before us, and we see the Western world, which is a particular missions challenge. How do we reach Australians, um, people, in, particularly in Europe and Australia? Um, um, we describe that in. A, the sense of being post-Christian. Um, these are the receiving nations, and 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 could it be that God is just weaving His wonderful plan of of bringing the nations to these That's post-Christian right. nations, and He's turning Absolutely. up in ways that is just um, astounding. And um, yeah, you, we have a lot of resonance with what you've just said, and um, agree. Um, that God is God is up to something new. I think we won't actually fully understand what God is doing until I don't know the future somewhere. Someone will look back and say, "See what God was doing." Just as the when the Vikings used to raid the the Celtic churches of That's England right. and capture the slaves and go back in, and right. s- suddenly suddenly the Vikings themselves turned to Christ, and um, um, you know the moves of God are so counterintuitive and so unexpected and but he weaves his wonderful story for the nations that's that's awesome and i think uh in the western nations uh we have such a great opportunity of the nations coming to us Mm. uh, first Mm. of all through the diaspora the refugee population 
but also through international students. Mm. You know, um, I think that's another very strategic way um, to, to do missions. I was a foreign student on F1 visa mm. here in the United States at 17. And as I said, a bunch of obnoxious American students reach out to me <laughs> and it changed my life. And, um, and here I am, you know, influencing the nations. So, mm. yeah. I've just seen that happen again and again, the international student ministry. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And I know that some people listening to this um, who are working, I, I think of Mark and Lisa up there in Seattle who are, are working amongst the Muslims there. I think mm -hmm. of um, our, our university campus ministries here in Melbourne. I know they'll be listening and going, resonating, and they'll be saying, yes, yes. Um, 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 I know you've already kind of alluded to what you're learning and what God's saying and doing, but um, can we expand a little bit on as all nations? What what are you learning, um, and what is what is God saying and doing um, with with you? Yeah, so I mentioned um, you know training and sending people from everywhere to everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think uh, work among the diaspora is very strategic, especially when they first arrive. So to not yes. wait until they settle too long. Um, so that's another thing. And the reason I love DMM is it empowers the whole body of Christ. Hmm. It's um, to empower the ordinary person uh, to be disciple makers and um, and therefore, if we are really to um, make disciples and make disciple makers of very ordinary people, and most of the world's cultures are oral cultures, then the way we do things have to be different. So we have to use simple reproducible ways. You know, so I, I have a doctorate. I love to read, mm. but we cannot use, um, we cannot use, uh, you know, a lot of text that's high literacy. So, so I have found that no matter what we're doing and training people in, it has to be reproducible and yeah. um, it has to be very, very simple and anyone can do it whether they only have less than a primary school education mm. or whether they're highly literate. So mm. a lot of our trainings, no matter what we do, often is through songs, is mm. through skits, is through mm. acting, is through group discussions, is through dialogue, is through drawing pictures. And um, so, for example... Um, we work among, you know, a few unreached people groups in Africa. And we teach them to make disciples and the disciple makers and church planners. But we've run into issues of sustainability, okay? Hmm. Uh, for example, amongst um, a particular Muslim uh, people group. So we've taught our church planners how to start businesses, uh, to do market surveys, to budget, um, 
all that. But you know what? Our whole training, the manual, is all in pictures.、Hmm. It's not a single word. It's in pictures. Wow. So that means we can train ordinary people, no matter who they are,、um, in biblical concepts of stewardship, of budgeting. It means we can,、uh, yeah, teach them to do market survey,、uh, things like that. But it is through pictures. So I think one one of the important thing is not just what we do, but how we do it. Yeah. So yeah. I I think、um, I think that's very very important.、Um, and、um, I'm just going to show you something the audience can't can't see. But years ago,、mm. we worked among Tibetan Buddhist、um, people groups, unreached people、mm. groups, and s- most of them are oral cultures. You know, and、um, they don't have access to. A, Print Bible and、um, and the print Bible may not you know they may not be able to absorb it, so we produce twenty four、wow. sets of this, these are called tankas. They are Tibetan Buddhist art forms.、Um, mm. And for the listener, Mary is showing me、uh, paintings on her wall that are that look incredibly Tibetan. Yeah. Yeah, and、uh, so for example, this one, it is the Book of Joshua. You can see、uh, this is、mm. Joshua on the wall. I know there's reflection here,、mm. but、mm. Um, through these tankas, so these, these are biblical tankas, sixty-four panels from Genesis to Revelations, and then we print、wow. them in high-resolution scans. And now we've actually made narrated videos out of these, but.、Mm. Um, it means that a lot of the Tibetan Buddhist people can receive the gospel because when it's、mm. just a highly literate print form,、um, it often doesn't work. So that's one of the things we've we've learned over the years、um, is yeah. to yeah to make things accessible for everybody for the masses. Instead of targeting、uh, only a few, so that yeah, that's, that's another thing. Yeah, that that's awesome, and that、uh, whole idea of everybody gets involved,、um, everybody's called into this task, but everybody、um, uh, can can be part of that. And for for some of us in、uh, have grown up in a church, it is a very、um, heady culture. We we are,、mm-hmm. we often. Talk about uh, uh, the gospel, the Bible, from an intellectual point of view. In fact, a, a Western perspective would be:、uh, if you can, if you can grasp it intellectually, then you have right living.、Um, that's a very Greek concept, but、um, that's not necess- that's been proven to be not true, right? You know,、no. it's really being able to grasp it in your heart through revelation and live it. Lived truth,、uh, and yeah, the idea of truth itself is not necessarily something that we construct as a thought process, but something we understand and live,、um, which is which is what DMN is all about: hearing from God, obeying Him, and then being able to put it in forms that 
like you've just shown me, pictures and um, uh, ways of doing it, stories. Yeah, great. Yeah, and the other thing is I think in many parts of the world, people's first stepping stone to Jesus is actually not truth. It is It is often they they encounter him, mm. you know. Um, mm. I've met people all over the world. They start following Jesus because they were set free from oppression, you know, mm. like they used to be a witch doctor and Jesus set them free. Or they mm. had a terminal illness and there's no doctors around. Doctors can't do anything for them, and Jesus just sovereignly healed them. Um, you know, praying for provision when they couldn't put food on the table, and Jesus coming through. It often starts actually, um, yeah, with that kind of encounter of, um, without Jesus, who not only preached the kingdom but demonstrated the kingdom. Yeah, so true, so true. Mary, um, what a what a great conversation and uh, very enriching. Um, but we we have to conclude. Um, the The good thing about this conversation is I'd like to hear some more from you as we go along, and um, and uh, it would be great to uh, get you um, speaking some more into our midst and hearing more. Mary, um, I wonder if you can finish our podcast with a. Uh, something to share, a word of encouragement or something for the listener as they go about their task this week of making disciples. Yes, actually, um, I prayed about it and um, and I felt the Lord laid on my heart a verse from 1 Corinthians 16. It's verse 8 to 9. And um, Paul here says, And I'll stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. And uh, most of the listeners know that it was in Ephesus. Uh, Paul stayed there for three years and it was during that time it says that every Jew and Greek in the whole of Asia Minor had a chance to hear the gospel. That's an Acts 19. And so it was a place of incredibly effective work. And Paul chose to stay on. He says he, he he's going to stay on Ephesus because a great door for effective work has opened to me, but there are many who oppose me. And as I prayed, I felt like there are probably many listeners who have chosen to stay in a particular place because God has opened effective work for them and um, and yet the daily reality is there are many who oppose us you know it can come in a, a form of spiritual warfare or different challenges and I just want to um, to encourage my brothers and sisters that the Lord honors that you have chosen your Ephesus and you've chosen to stay in your Ephesus because the Lord has opened wide a door for effective work and He knows the daily oppositions that you encounter and He knows how hard it is and He honors um, He honors 
um, our brothers and sisters who have chosen to stay and to labor, and he sees uh, he sees our trials, and uh, he will come through for each and every one. And um, and there is victory and comfort in Christ.